Lord, you bring so much life to us. And it truly is all about you. As we dig into your word, as we look and try our best to divide these words and understand what they mean, we, we know that you tell us in your word that this will not return void. That today on this Lord's Day, for everybody in this space, everybody watching online, we can get on the edge of our seat. We can look forward to something that you have to say. And in that process, Lord, I pray that you will just eliminate the distractions, all the other voices in our head. I pray, God, that we will be able to rest in your word and what you would have for us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So this morning we are in the final week of our, hey Brittany, good to see you. Got some visitors here I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, man, I'm so distracted today. So today we are in our final week of our Imago Day series where we have been looking at the image of God and talking about how understanding the image of God is the answer to today's issues. And we've talked about all sorts of issues that have been challenging and hard and really important to be digging into as a church. Today we're finishing up with another issue that I think sometimes um, we, we, we ignore and we don't realize it actually is a bit of an issue today, and the issue is this. You see, we live in a time of relentless restlessness. We live in a time of relentless restlessness. Like we can't escape this restlessness. I'm, I'm, if, if you have a, a device or a cell phone, you experience this on the regular, right? That little notification that comes to you, that little draw of Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter or the news or your email, whatever that is, we, we, it, we're constantly close to all of this information and all of this uh, connection. We are so connected, overly connected, it brings about this restlessness in us, and part of this restlessness is as we look at Instagram, we see, oh man, look at all my friends, or look at all these people, um, and, and look at their lives, and look at all the filters that they have, and how perfect they are, and there's something in me that's not like that. How come I'm not having that meal? Why am I having a, a crustable for lunch? Can I get a witness? <laughs> or maybe we start feeling this restlessness because we were thinking about in this moment in Chowchilla, California, we're thinking also about Ukraine. We're thinking also about these tensions or this evil of this world that we see. We're thinking also about, about this person's post or about this. There's this restlessness for many of us and it's relentless. I've been thinking about that a lot this week as I've been trying to keep a distance from my phone when I'm with my family. And even when I'm far from my phone, I find myself wanting to check it. It's like I feel a notification in my pocket and the phone's not even there. Have you, has anyone ever felt this? We have a sickness. We have this restlessness and it's relentless and for some of us, especially our older generations, you are so much better at this than the younger generations. 
Maybe you're not as tethered to your phones and your devices, but yet we still, our hearts are restless. Perhaps we're not kept up by the devices and we're better at that, but, but perhaps we stay up with a restlessness about the rain. Perhaps we stay up with this restlessness about our children, wondering, praying about them and how they will, and the decisions they make or some of the hard decisions they've made. Perhaps we, we lose sleep or we feel this restlessness about our marriage, about our relationships, about our work. I've been watching the, uh, my family, my kiddos, our favorite movie right now is this Disney movie called Encanto. There's this one song called uh, Surface Pressure. I think it really captures this moment. It sings this, pressure like a drip, drip, drip that'll never stop. Whoa. Pressure that'll tip, tip, tip till you just go pop. Whoa. This idea that we're just under this pressure. And as we get to this pressure, this rest this, the question that I think we feel, the question that we know is how do I go from restless to restful? How do I go from this relentless restlessness to this rhythm of restfulness? Seems to me God's answer to this issue is surface pressure. It's Related to the principle of Sabbath. See, Sabbath is God's timeless rhythm of restfulness. Sabbath is God's timeless rhythm of restfulness. I love that word timeless, meaning it doesn't change. We may be in a time in this moment of restlessness, but God's Sabbath, God's presence, is a rhythm of timeless restfulness. We see this in the passage we're looking at in Exodus 20. In this passage, this is God giving the Ten Commandments to his people. They've just come out of, of, they've just come out of captivity. They were slaves. By the way, slaves, they worked seven days a week. It's been said, I think, therefore I am. A slave in Israel would say, or a slave in Egypt would say, I work, therefore I am. And so God is giving them these 10 commandments that we know so well, that we've read, that we, that we memorize, that we talk about. This is a, a foundational part of the law of God. And in there, the longest of the 10 commandments of all of them is one that oftentimes I just kind of breeze over. It says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It says six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not work, you or your son or your daughter. This rhythm of Sabbath. And as we think about this, as we wonder and maybe for some of us feel this restlessness, this relentless restlessness in us, 
I think it's helpful to understand what, what, what God is telling his people here through the principle of Sabbath. And the first is in this rhythm, there's a rhythm of first, work for six. Work for six. Now it's easy to, to, to get straight to the rest and miss that work in scripture is something that is good. Did you know that work doesn't happen, we, sometimes we think, oh man, all the toil and all the work, that happened after the fall. Actually, no, God created work as something good for us. In the scriptures, God tells man, uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. He says to work the garden and care for it. Work is, there's a good theology of work, it is good to work. There is purpose and meaning. Part of our Imago Dei being created in the image of God relates to us being created as creatures that are meant to work. That are meant to work in a way that honors God. And so we see this where we work for one, but then we Sabbath. I'm sorry, we work for six and Sabbath for one. This is the rhythm in God's word to his people. Work for six, Sabbath for one. Think of that Encanto song. In that song, if you've, been, if you've watched the movie Louisa, she's talking about this pressure she has. And right in the middle of the song, she says, but wait, if I could shake the crushing weight of expectations, would that free some room up for joy or relaxation or simple pleasure? And then she goes on and basically says, she'll never get that. See, there's this longing for us to have this rest, to have this rhythm in us. And as we think about this, when we talk about Sabbath, this idea that Sabbath is a part of the rhythms of God's people's life, hear this, Sabbath does not mean Saturday. I know in, uh, in, in, even in, in Spanish, those are very direct translations. Sabbath is an ancient word called Shabbat. It's a Hebrew word, and the word Saturday has come from Sabbath. But Shabbat, Sabbath, means to cease and to stop. There's something about this Sabbath practice in the scriptures that, is, that says it's really important, God says it's really important for his people to have a rhythm in their lives to cease and to stop the work. But this Shabbat, this Sabbath, is not just about stopping. This word also relates to delight. It relates to delight. It relates to enjoying the very presence of God, about stepping into this rhythm in the Sabbath of having an awareness to God's presence in your life. And I believe in the Ten Commandments, the, why, the reason why it's so long is God anticipates us saying, why? Why should I work for six and rest for one? It, it, that's not very cost effective. 
It's really difficult for me to accomplish all my goals of achieving all the things that I can do for your God if you give me one extra day. It doesn't make sense to my business plan or my model. And the Lord, I believe, anticipates this, where he shares with us in this passage that we are to work for six and Sabbath for one. Why? To enjoy God and to rest in his fullness. To enjoy God and rest in his fullness. Remember, there's a difference between restlessness and restfulness. See, part of the challenge here is that we are finite beings, as Tony prayed. And yet we have a God who is full, who is infinite. We see here in this passage, if you can, look at verse 11 as the author um, of Exodus speaks into this. It says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Sometimes when we think of Sabbath, we think of it as you know, it's a time to just like collapse in exhaustion. And I think we miss that. Was God tired on the seventh day? Does our God grow tired or weary? No. So why did he rest? Why is our pattern connected all the way to Eden when God rested. I believe this relates to the Shabbat enjoying. We read the garden narrative of God creating in six days. And on that seventh day, the sixth day, he creates man and woman, and he says it's very good. And then he rests. Seems to me that the Bible is telling us that God is enjoying his creation. He's enjoying this complete, perfect creation and delighting in us. We miss this sometimes. I've heard it said, I know that God loves me, but I don't think he likes me. I think there's something to be said about God's Sabbath and the, the way that he looks and feels about you and I, his creation. So there's something in this rhythm about joining God in Sabbath. It's interesting, in the creation account, it says that there was evening, there was morning, and there was evening, all six days, but on the seventh day, it doesn't tell us that. On the seventh day, if you go and read the creation account, it's this ongoing rest that seems to be happening. This longing that we have. An author, Rich, Viodas, he wrote a, a book that has been really helpful. There's a chapter in it um, on Sabbath that I read that I would encourage you to pick up. He says this, in Sabbath, it's not so much about us keeping the Sabbath as it is the Sabbath keeping us. The Sabbath reminds us of the gospel of grace. In actuality, Sabbath keeping might be the greatest sign of grace because it is while we are intentionally, hear this, while we are intentionally accomplishing nothing, 
that God loves us. This indeed is good news. While we are intentionally accomplishing nothing, that we're reminded that that is the space that we're called into to enjoy God. What is the chief end of man? Any Presbyterians in here? To enjoy God and glorify him forever. And so we see that we've been called into this rhythm, this rhythm of restfulness through Sabbath practice. But there's a problem that maybe you feel as the relentless restlessness kind of creeps in on you. There's a problem. I can't seem to get it. I can't get here. Just this weekend, I knew I was preaching about Sabbath rest, so I was like, I'm gonna take it easy this weekend. I'm gonna try not to be a slave or tethered to my phone, or I'm gonna try to just, that didn't happen for me, friends. And this is the story of the scriptures. As we read the scriptures, we see time and time again, the people are trying to find a way to enter into this Sabbath rest, into this rest which is so, so tethered to the very presence of God, an awareness of him, but they can't. Time and time again, our sin, we have this disruption that seems to happen. We talked about this in this series as we're looking at what it means to be an image of God, an image bearer created in his image, there's this distortion in us, this disruption in us, and it's related to Genesis 3 when we fall and we eat the apple. You see, sin's disruption is this. We've fallen out of rhythm. I was asking Amador about this. I said, what, what, what does it mean for a musician when you fall out of rhythm? And he was sharing with me that even when you fall out in the slightest bit, if you lose that rhythm, it messes up everything else. And it's hard to, to catch yourself back up, and sin has done this to us. I find it interesting. If we go back to Genesis chapter three, we see the moment that Adam and Eve fell out of rhythm. Look at what happens, it says, and the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit, and she also gave it some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were opened. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. That was the moment of disruption. Find it interesting, you know, our, our cell phone devices that keep us so connected to the world that give us a knowledge of good and evil all the time, supposedly. How about that Apple device? Have you ever thought about the logo for the Apple? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that that Apple has a bite taken out of it? I don't know. By the way, I, I have everything Apple, so don't judge me. 
But there seems to be ever since we've fallen and have this, this desire for the knowledge of good and evil, this restlessness in us, we push back at simply resting in grace, at simply resting in God's benevolent power and grace and presence in our lives. And even in Sabbath practice, which is meant to be a gift to you and I to help us get in rhythm, sin disrupts it. It seems to me there's two things of ways that we can disrupt even the practice of Sabbath habit. Sabbath habit. One is we turn less into more. We turn less into more. In other words, I say, I'm gonna practice Sabbath habit, so I'm not gonna work on this day, and instead, I'm gonna go do all the chores around my house. Instead, I'm gonna go start a new hobby, or I'm gonna go do these other things that I could do because I, my other work gives, gives, doesn't give me time to do this, and so what is meant to be less enjoying God becomes more. And we leave Sabbath thinking, I'm more exhausted than if I just went to work. Seems to me in the scriptures, the Lord anticipates this. In Deuteronomy 5, the Ten Commandments are restated to the next generation. If you know the story of scriptures, God's people, they, they get the Ten Commandments. There's a whole thing that happens with that that we can't get into, but they wander around the wilderness for quite some time. And they come back again, and they're given the Ten Commandments again, and the Lord then gives them the Ten Commandments, and this is a new generation of people that are free. They're no longer slaves. Their parents were slaves, their grandparents were slaves, their great-grandparents were slaves. All they knew was work. These people are about to step into an age of freedom. And it's interesting, if you go and you look at Deuteronomy 5, one of the first things you see is when God gives the Ten Commandments to the people, it opens up and it says, instead of remember the Sabbath, he says, observe the Sabbath. What does that mean? Well, what do we observe? How do we observe holidays or days here? Let's say we said, observe the Super Bowl. It's a pretty important holiday around here. <laughs> well, I'd probably smoke some wings that day. I'd probably do some preparation and have some friends over and there'd probably be some, some preparation ahead of time to truly enjoy that day. And yet God is telling his people something that is way more sacred and not as trite as a Super Bowl. He says, observe the Sabbath. I think we miss this sometimes. I think we miss the preparation piece of Sabbath practice. That perhaps if I have a weekly rhythm in my life of recentering, of, of getting back into rhythm, perhaps the night before is really important. Perhaps instead of staying up late or, 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 or going out and, and, and maybe partying a little too hard, perhaps it's really important to me that I have some preparation in my own heart to practice the Sabbath practice. And then in Deuteronomy 5, there's the same rhythm that we read through in Exodus, but then in verse 15, it's really interesting. 
In verse 15 of Deuteronomy, he says, you know, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, follow it. says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord. Your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God is telling his people who are now free, who once were slaves, he's telling them, remember, you were once slaves. Why? Well, it can be easy for us to, even though we were once slaves, to then treat others when we get authority, when we get power, and to abuse that and to make them our slaves. To miss the fact that we are called in to be a people of freedom and liberty for all. And as we think about Sabbath practice, we recognize there's this disruption, this part of us that goes to the relentless restlessness we need to be careful not to turn less into more. And second, we need to be careful not to let, to be a people where we're turning grace into a chore. Don't be a people where we're turning grace into a chore. What do I mean by this? Sabbath is not meant to be a day that you earn. It's not meant to be, I worked so hard, I earned my Sabbath this week. It's not meant to be any of that. It's the opposite of that. It's meant to be a day of grace. It's meant to be a day of receiving. And we saw in God's people in their story that they did this. You'll read this week about this. Jesus himself, when he came, he, he, he seemed to have this habit of healing people on the Sabbath. And the religious people at the time got really upset with him. They were saying, you can't do anything on the Sabbath, Jesus. Why are you doing this? On the Sabbath, we're supposed to literally do nothing. And Jesus tells them this. He says, in Mark chapter two, verse 27, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, is Lord, even of the Sabbath. It's very easy, church, to talk about the Sabbath, and one minute we're never talking about it, and the next minute we're getting super legalistic about it, and we're saying that, that there's all these, all, these, all these frameworks that we gotta follow. And we're missing the point that the Sabbath, this rhythm of rest, was something that was given to you and I as a gift something that was meant for us and for our rhythms, not something that we do to earn. And we, should, and we find ourselves in this place, as I referenced early, earlier, of just missing it. Of just feeling restless. And even though I'm telling myself, get in rhythm, I'm trying my hardest, more often than not, the reality of our life is restlessness. But hear this. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that there was one who came, who saw you and I in our restlessness, 
who saw you and I out of rhythm, living in the distortion and the disruption of our sin. And on a Friday night, died a horrible death on a cross. Crucified for our sin. Crucified for our restlessness and our restfulness. And what did he do on Saturday? He rested in a grave. And in that grave, there was an incredible rest that happened. A rest that we get to enter into. Because our sin and our out of sync restlessness is taken care of through the death of Jesus Christ for us. Same book, the author Rich says this, he says, Jesus Christ underwent the biggest kind of rest imaginable. He rested in a tomb after being crucified. But as he rested, the world was being renewed. As he rested, the world was being restored. And as he rested, the world was about, don't miss this, to see resurrection. When we place our faith in Jesus, we exchange our exhaustion for his rest. This is why the church in history, ever since the resurrection, started worshiping together, not on the first day, on the eighth day. On the day of resurrection. On the day, if you look and you see the pattern in scriptures, it says, and they would gather together on the Lord's day. It was no longer on Saturday, it was now on Sunday. And so when we worship together on Sundays, we are joining in the rhythms of the ancient church that has said, we gather together because we are a resurrection people. We are a people that recognize we are out of rhythm apart from Christ, so we worship him and we, see, we sing things like, I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. And we sing these things and we pray these things because we believe that Jesus gives us new life. The author of Hebrews anticipates this in Hebrews 4. He says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest also rested from his works as God did from him. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. I love the NIV translation says, let us therefore make every effort to enter his rest. I love the paradox there. Let us work at resting. This is called the gospel. Or I could say gospeling. How do I rest in the very presence of Jesus? As you think about this, friends, beloved, I hope you land where I've landed on this. The question we ask ourselves, how will you find a way to Sabbath? How will you find a way to Sabbath? We believe Jesus is our ultimate Sabbath. He is the better rest. He is the one that everything com is completed in, the one who we find our rest in. 
but it can be easy to leave here and still be out of rhythm. I think it can be easy to throw out all the Sabbath rest rhythms of Scripture and just say, well, Jesus is my Sabbath. He did it all, so I'm just going to continue in my place of restlessness. And we miss that we're still called into this rhythm because we need, every week, we need to keep reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done, that he calls you and I into this together. And notice, when he is speaking in Exodus, he's not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to a people. He's speaking to a people where resting is something that is done together. We're resting in something that is done in faith community. We have been so rocked by this since 2020 when we were told we can't gather. We have been so rocked by this when we have tried to have our interactions through screens, through spaces. We are gonna be so rocked by this as our age continues to tell us that we can get this connection through a screen and we can put on goggles and we can go into the meta and we can do all these things, but yet there's something about human interaction that reflects an incarnational truth. So how do we rest in this? Last week we talked about indulging in Christ and in my small group, Carmen from my group, she said, Pastor Logan, I get that, but how do I indulge? And maybe you're asking yourself that same question. How do I Sabbath rest? Brown and I have been talking about this, thinking about this. I would say if you don't have any sort of rest, think about in your home, Developing a rhythm. Some things you could think about. Seems to me that faith community is a big part of that. I would encourage you, if you don't have a rhythm and you're able to, to maybe on Saturday night, light a candle. Say a prayer. Start a rhythm of Sabbath rest. On Sunday mornings, I would say, encourage you to be a part of worship. I would encourage you not to, not to miss the rhythms of worship, of declaring the resurrection power of Jesus. I would encourage you to maybe do the preparation on the days before so that you can rest. Maybe thinking through what are the chores, by the way, they still need to get done, the laundry still needs to happen, the vacuum still needs to go. I would encourage you to think and recognize that when we talk about Sabbath rest, that doesn't mean sitting around in a parlor reading your Bibles all day. Remember, Sabbath is about enjoyment. Sabbath is about enjoying God's presence. So for me, it probably means there's a feast. It probably means there's some really good food. It probably means my family's around me. It probably means we're playing a game and we're getting a little competitive. It probably means there's a really good afternoon nap. It probably means I have five children that it's not the most restful time. But we're trying. I would encourage you to think about this. Let's not miss this call. And not, we don't wanna get legalistic about it, but we wanna be a people that say there seems to be this rhythm, let's enter into this rest. I wanted to read to you a Sabbath prayer that I found. 
heard this in a sermon. I thought it was really good. Maybe say a prayer like this. Lord of resurrection, may we be raised into rhythms of your new life. Dead to deceitful calendars, dead to fleeting friend requests, dead to the empty peace of our accomplishments. To our packed full planners we bid peace. To our over-caffeinated consciences we say cease. To our suffocating selves, Lord, grant us release. Drowning in a sea of deadliness and death chimes, we rest in you, our lifeline. By your restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath rest. As your Sabbath rest enters into us in the name of our creator, our liberator, our resurrection and life, we pray, amen. I just wanna encourage you right now in this moment Ask yourself this question, how am I going to enter this Sabbath rest? For some of us, we work on Sundays. For some of us, we, we can't just take a, think about what this, remember Jesus said, the Sabbath, you are, you are not Lord, the Sabbath is not Lord of you. It was given to you. So how are you gonna step into this rest? In a few moments, we're gonna sing this song song that is, is this line, Augustine said, our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. In a few moments, we're gonna sing a song of resting in God. And whenever I sing this song, whenever I think about this, I think about my girls. I think about the other day with Ruth. She came in bed right before school and she was in my arms. She said, Daddy, aren't cuddles the best? Think about the moment when I got to hold my daughter, Sela, for the first time in China. She was crying. And there was something about holding her where in the midst of fear and anxiety, she did one of these. And I think about you, beloved. And I think about all the stuff you're going through. And I think about the brokenness and the restlessness and the relentlessness of it all. And I think we need to be a people that are the children sighing into the arms of our Savior, resting in the arms of our gracious Father, giving him all of that, enjoying him forever. So in a few moments, we're gonna sing that song, and I would just encourage you to embrace that posture. Embrace the posture of, a, posture of a child resting in the arms of his or her father's wonderful arms. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, our hearts are truly restless until we rest in your arms. Jesus, you are the one who, when you rested in the grave, all our sins, all our anxieties, all of our struggles rested with you. And then when you rose, you give us victory, you give us life. I pray, Lord, as we sing this song, that we will truly together rest in you. That all of us in this moment will just be able to take a moment 
and recognize that we are not a people of earning, we are a people of receiving. May we receive your grace, and may that continue to be what motivates us as we rest in you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.